Days. Tan Talk. Entertaining and informative radio for the Sunshine State. You may be owed some money. After 911 and 411, call 541. That's 727-541-1741. Call Gulfstream Motorsports for a diminished value report. Due to my 28 years experience in the auto salvage business, I'm very good with wrecks. So if your car's been involved in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for the lost value of your repaired vehicle. And visit us at GulfstreamMotorsports.com. Looking for car shows? Then look no further than FLACarshows.com. On your computer or on your mobile device, FLACarshows.com is a comprehensive list of automotive events plus videos and news articles. Whether you're looking for car shows, cruise-ins, meetups, automotive festivals, cars and coffees, or anything else relating to an internal combustion engine, then this is a site for you. Check it out online or on your phone at FLACarshows.com. There are four guys named John, Paul, George, and Ringo. Are you a mod or a rocker? Um, no, I'm a mocker. And they've just decided, for the first time, they're going to break all the rules. Where are you going, John? She does your best. Time collection. In the next 24 hours, they're going to throw out their schedules, ignore their obligations, and get a taste of freedom. Don't move any of you. The place is surging with girls. Please, sir, sir. Can I have one to serve you, sir? Please, sir. Going in then? No, she'll only reject me in the end. I'll be frustrated. And Bobby Love! Excuse me. The three young men I'm sitting with wondered if two of us could come over and join you. I'd ask you myself, only I'm shy. <laughs> Just for once, let's all try to behave like ordinary, respectable citizens. Max Films is proud to present The Beatles as you've never seen them before. I'm Ringo. Yeah, that's what they all say these days. Featuring an enhanced picture and a digitally restored soundtrack that's better than the original. Roger Ebert calls it one of the great life-affirming landmarks of the movies. A Hard Day's Night. Very good, that, George. Oh, oh we're trying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Set the way back machine. Yes, sir, Mr. Peabody. Hi, everybody. This is Tommy James reminding you you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. So tune in. Okay, listeners, welcome. You're tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Run your computers and Google TanTalk1340.com, and you can see me live here in the studios in downtown Clearwater. Don't forget to check out our website, GolfStreetMotorsports.com, where you can find out all about us. And if you've missed any of our past radio shows, I think we were at 500, no, 657, six, I would say something like that. Six. You know what? I got to learn to count. Anyway, and besides, if you want to listen to all our fantastic shows with our spectacular interviews, don't forget to check out NostalgicRadioandCars.com. Good evening, Bobby. How are you? I'm doing well. How about you? 
Pretty good. All right, okay, get... sorry. It's 654. 654. I was close. 656, 654, 650, 650. Okay, at floridacarshows.com. If you want to find out where all the car shows are going on, or you can just tune in here every Tuesday night between 7 and 8 p.m. on the Tan Talk Radio Network, and I will tell you. Yes, I will tell you. There's my radio voice this evening. Anyway, uh, Walter Mitty, HSR event, uh, the end of the month in Road Atlanta. That should be a lot of fun. Bear Jackson, 13th through the 15th in Palm Beach. Florida Toe Show. We used to go to that all the time, didn't we, Bobby? And that is in Orlando the week of the 13th and the 15th. And Wheels Across the Pond is April 8th down in Jupiter, Florida. And then uh, an event that I may go to up in uh, Hershey, Pennsylvania, is the All Porsche Swap Meet. I've never been to that. That ought to be pretty interesting. So, that's a rundown. And then a big shout-out to uh, Jim Terry, my good friend up there at uh, Jim Terry's Music, because he's now, uh, he has a big sign up on his marquee, and it says, Guitar Lessons for Old Guys. And your van was parked under it. And my van was parked under it, yeah. Well, you know, it's kind of like a tune-up. You know, I haven't played in a long time and forgot the basics, so I'm actually learning the basics. But you know what the most important thing is, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, sports fan, car guys, and musicians, or future musicians, you got to practice. Yep. You gotta practice. Just like when I do my radio show, I have to do a lot of research so I can make sure that when I do an interview, I can be uh, knowledgeable. Now, speaking of which, I went and saw Mike Monarch. He was on our show last week. He was the original guitarist for Steppenwolf, and he played live at the Chasco Fiesta. That's what they call Bobby Chasco Fiesta. Bob. Yeah, you know what's funny? I didn't even know that. I didn't even know about that event. But anyway, so he was up there, and he, him, and his uh, partner, um, his uh, singing guy there. Um, bandmate uh, Jimmy Payton did a very good job it's called the Payton Monarch Band and they're going to be playing at the Rum River is it called the Rum River is that the thing in that place up there in Newport Ritchie bar uh, yes I've something like that about it. yeah they're going to be up there I think this weekend possibly and then I think a couple weeks after that they're going to be playing at the Shed up in Homosassa now he's a local guy now he moved here from LA you know he's from out west originally and uh, but you know he plays the guitar he plays the bass he plays the drums he plays the keyboards so what he does is he basically loops I don't know if that's the right word for it but he basically kind of like uh, mixes them all together and then that way, when he when 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 they're on stage, it's just him and Jimmy, and there's no band. But it sounds like there's a four-piece band sitting there or a five-piece band. And then he gets up there and he just does an amazing job uh, playing lead guitar. Now I don't play lead. Leads, uh, you know, pretty serious stuff. You know, that's uh, Jimmy Page and Eric Clapton and uh, Jeff Beck and Jimi Hendrix style of playing. But um, and of course Richie Blackmore, one of my favorites. But I play rhythm. And who was it? It was uh, not Roy Clark, who was an excellent guitarist, but it was um, the other guy that used to be on Hee Haw there. Um, and he says, well, you know, I play f- the the first seven frets. That's where the money is. That's the money frets. So, <laughs> and just good old strumming and open guitars, or open uh, op- open chords. But anyway, we got a very special guest for you tonight. We're continuing on with March Music. And we may even extend it into, looks like we will be extending it into April, so we'll have April music. And then we're going to start doing more and more musicians because uh, we're getting a lot of interest because we do a pretty decent job interviewing people and, and, and they like to come on the show and uh, we're getting requests. So that's uh, that's kind of a positive thing. you know. As well, we're going to go, you know, we will never give up our roots, which is 
music, no, uh, cars. Um, <laughs> but we're going to uh, stick around and. I was forgetting what the logo is back there. Yeah, it's Nostalgic Radio and Cars. And that logo happens to be a 57 Thunderbird Gasser. So, oh, yeah, there's a Southeast Gasser racing event coming up here. I think it's in North Carolina. I missed the one in Georgia, which I think was this past weekend. A lot of car stuff going on right now. A lot of car stuff going on. But anyway, on that note, I think what we're going to do is um, there's a hint. There was a hint, ever so slightly, of who the guest is going to be. But the song that Bobby's going to fire up in the stereo right now, um, I Want to Be a Beetle. You got that one queued up, Bobby? All right, you're tuned into a little uh, to Nostalgia Radio Cars. Here's a little nostalgia going back to 63-64. Don't touch a doubt, we'll be right back. I want to be a beetle and never pull my hair. further than flacarshows.com on your computer or on your mobile device flacarshows.com is a comprehensive list of automotive events plus videos and news articles whether you're looking for car shows cruise-ins meetups automotive festivals cars and coffees or anything else relating to an internal combustion engine then this is a site for you check it out online or on your phone at flacarshows.com you may be owed some money. After 911 and 411, call 541. That's 727-541-1741. Call Gulfstream Motorsports for a diminished value report. Due to my 28 years experience in the auto salvage business, I'm very good with wrecks. So if your car's been involved in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for the lost value of your repaired vehicle. And visit us at GulfstreamMotorsports.com. We're back, and you're tuning into Nostalgia Radio Cars. And uh, so, yeah, so we're doing yeah, that. For some reason or another, you sound a little taller on radio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, they, they always say I've got a face for radio, too. So, you know, you never know. Anyway, all right, so we're going to continue on with the music thing. And I think what we're going to do is because our guest is uh, probably anxiously waiting, just like we are anxiously waiting. 
And uh, I think I've run down the car stuff that's going on. No, um, you can run down some more car stuff. Wait a minute. Hey, when's Barbara Eden coming to the Ruth Eckert Hall? Was that this weekend or this that last weekend or is it coming up this weekend? Now, there mm-hmm. is a mm-hmm. fine, fine lady that we need to get on the radio show someday. I've actually... Uh, Intronet right there might yeah, well, tell us. All right. So, Barbara Eden, I believe, is either coming to the Ruth Eckert Hall or she's... Because what's it called? Uh, Magic Carpet Ride or Magic Something or Other? Magic Carpet. Something, magic Something or Other. Anyway, um, where was I going with this? I'm not sure where I was going with that this. That just kind of popped in there, didn't just it? kind of popped in there, yeah. Well, you know, because uh, our friends over at Ruth Eckert Hall have a lot of really cool events, venues coming up with a lot of really cool celebrities and musicians and all that other good stuff. So we're doing our best over here to, to bring our share of musical celebrities and legends to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. And on that note, I think Bobby's going to go ahead and fire up the stereo here again, aren't we, Bobby? Not yet. Not yet? No? Okay. Well, let's see. Um, where am I going to go in June? In June, though, in, uh, oh yeah, you know what's going on this weekend, too? For all you Ford guys, up in Columbus, Ohio, is the big Ford all-four show in Columbus. And uh, so I've got my buddies up there taking some very rare Cobra Jet carburetors and intake manifolds and whatever else I can dig up. And, uh, you know, uh, another one of my listeners brought up the point. He says, Robert, you know what you need to do since you're in the car business? You need to kind of, like, tell about some of the stuff you got for sale. Yes, I have some Mustang, Vinny's Mustang convertible projects for sale. But something I picked up here a while back, which is kind of interesting, and I may have mentioned it once before, it's called a Puma. And it's a car that was made in Brazil. And it was based on a Volkswagen initially, a Carmen Ghia, and then ultimately the company involved, and they started building their own chassis and frames, again, based on a Volkswagen. And uh, their rear engine with the Volkswagen engine, you know, usually 1.6 or 1.8, even a 2-liter, you know, because they use 2-liters. They use basically a uh, Type 4 engine. Anyway, so I've got a Puma project for somebody it's a 1981 82 it's called a gtc in fact while i was at chuck beck's party his 86th birthday party in georgia last a uh, couple weeks ago i met carrie hines there or kevin hines kevin hines was actually worked with puma and then later became the importer for puma here in the united states so they made a few thousand of them that wandered that strayed and found the way into the united states but it's kind of a really neat classic car in fact what was interesting is i'm bringing a trailer They've been selling between nice ones, nice ones, not the one I have. Mine's a project for somebody. Okay. Don't forget to check me out here at GulfstreamMotorsports.com where you can see all my stuff for sale. But anyway, um, nice ones are bringing twenty five to 35000 bucks. So in the collector car world, it's kind of a sought-after car, something different. It's not something you see every day like your basic Ford or Chevrolet or Chrysler. Right, Bobby? How are we doing there, Bobby? That would be right, yes. You got that uh, song queued up on the turntable over there? Or are you playing with an 8-track? I'm not sure what you got back well, there. Because you got some antiquated equipment back there. I do. I do. We, we do? We, we do? We, we're doing the reel-to-reel today. We're doing the reel-to-reel. Oh, Alan's going to be excited about that. The last the one was the 8-track. Uh, the last one was the 8-track. Okay, so now we're going back. We're going back in time to... Actually, they had 8-tracks, quad-tracks, all kinds of weird tracks, 2-tracks. And uh, now we're going well, back to reel-to-reel. Well, that's back in the old days. But, uh, when they used to press, about the same time when they were pressing records. I mean, plastic. I can fire that cart machine up over there if we you, want to. You want to fire the cart machine up? Yeah. Uh, right. But first, uh, let's come on up. Coming up. Hey, here's a little song, a little ditty by a very well-known band out of the 60s called The Rascals. You're tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. With our sp- 
may not realize it, but in the 50s, you know, we had vocal groups and uh, solo people, you know. And then in the 60s on the West Coast, uh, we had the Beach Boys, but yeah, they really were a vocal group and they became a band later, you know. We also had the Birds, but uh, McGuinn really did that first record by himself and then they became a band later. <laughs> and okay, over there in England, some guys were making some noise, but uh, in the real world, in the center of the universe, New Jersey, the Rascals were the first band. Which is why I don't understand why it took so long to get into the Hall of Fame. The first time I saw the Rascals was at the Keyport Rollerdrome in Keyport, New Jersey. That's right. No, there was no Fillmore's, there was no arenas in those days. Rock and roll played skating rinks where it belonged. <laughs> and the way rock is selling, we may be back in skating rinks next year, I don't know. But they were fantastic in those days. They were wild. Eddie would jump around. He was a wild man. He was with the tambourines and maracas and, and Gene was so cool with the guitar up there, you know. He was just fantastic. And, and Dino... Uh, he was the greatest rock drummer ever. Is, is. And of course, Felix uh, introducing that amazing uh, B3, that big thing, you know. It was amazing. To this day, every roadie in New Jersey has a hernia and back trouble. They hate him. That was when New Jersey soul was born, right there, you know. I ain't gonna eat out my heart anymore. You better run, good loving, love is a beautiful thing, a girl like you, I've been lonely too long, uh, come on up, grooving, uh, how can I be sure, people gotta be free, ladies and gentlemen, Dino Danelli, Eddie Brigatti, Felix Cavalieri, Gene Cornish, please, it is my honor to welcome to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and it's about time, the Rascals! Here they are again, one of the hottest new groups in the country today, the Young Rascals! Ladies and gentlemen, the Young Rascals! Hi, this is Michael Monarch, the original guitarist from Steppenwolf, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Rock on! All right, we're back, and you're tuning into Nostalgic Radio Cars. It is time to introduce our special guest for the evening. This gentleman is one of the legendary guitarists and original founding members of the Rascals. I'm delighted to welcome to the show this evening, Gene Cornish. Gene, how are you? Hey, good to be here. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. So you're buddy buddies with uh, Stevie Van Zandt, I see. Yes, I am. How about that? That's cool. So what was it like being inducted into the... Uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, 1997. Is that when that was? That was a long time ago. That's it, great. It didn't. It didn't suck. <laughs> okay. Well. Uh, anyway. So, Gene, why don't you go ahead and give us a little background um, on your back uh, on yourself? You're you're basically Canadian, right? And you started playing music at a long, young age. Tell us a little bit about that. What got you interested? Uh, I was born 1944 in Ottawa, Canada. Yeah. My. Uh, Ted Cornish, my stepdad, married my mom and brought us to America 
in Rochester, New York when I was four years old. I had my first band when I was 12. I, le- I learned how to throw a curveball. I learned how to throw a football. And I learned how to play guitar uh, in, in Rochester, New York. So what? who were some of your early influences in, uh, in music? James Burton, uh, who played with Ricky Nelson, Scotty Moore, who played with Elvis, and Dwayne Eddy. Okay, well, those are uh, some some well-known guitarists. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, was your first guitar an acoustic, like a lot of us, or did you go right to an electric guitar? I had an acoustic uh, harmony guitar for a while. Then I got a Supro. Then I finally got a Fender uh, Duo Sonic, which is like a small version of a Stratocaster. And then I went. Uh, then I went to a country gentleman. Okay, and uh, I was reading up on some of the guitars you played, and one that you seem to be seen a lot with, with the early Rascals, is, am I saying this right, is it a Gibson Barney Kessel? Is that it? Uh, That's correct, yes. It's a double cutaway jazz guitar that I played rock and roll on. Was that a three pickup or two pickup guitar? That was two pickups, two Two? humbuckers. Okay, and I'm looking at one right now that you're holding right now. It's got a uh, Bigsby... uh, um, bridge on the back of it with a yeah. Whammy. I got the black one. Yeah. Now, did you did you keep a lot of your guitars like some players, or did you go through them and then just? No, I don't know. They went by by the wayside after a while. You know, I had thirty six Gibson guitars. Oh wow, <laughs> that's a lot of guitars. So okay, so when you uh, when you you I played one of your songs earlier, and it was called when you were with the um, Unbeatables, and it was called "I Want to Be a Beatle." So how much influence did the Beatles have on you? Well, you know, I had a solo career on a small record label, and when the Beatles came out, I wrote a song at home uh-huh. in Rochester called "I Want to Be a Beatle," and our manager and the record company said, well, we should start a group, and let's call it the Unbeatables. Okay. And then uh, the the record label at the time was uh, Dawn, D-A-W-N, and that was kind of like, uh, they did a lot of jazz. Uh, I was reading up on them a little bit. They did a lot of um, um, jazz musicians and jazz jazz records and stuff. So uh, No, no, no. That, that was Atlantic Records. Oh, that was Atlantic? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. That was years later. Oh, that was years later. Okay. Well, anyway, um, and then I, well, actually, it's interesting you mentioned that because uh, you were. Uh, I guess some of your songs were uh, on roulette as well. No, I uh, no, I was never on roulette records. I joined Joey D and the Starlighters. Okay. After the Unbeatables, and we were, I was with him for like four months before we started the, the Rascals. He introduced me to Felix and Eddie, and then Felix introduced me. To uh, Dino Danelli. Okay. Now, when you were part of the um, the original band, did you did uh, how much did how much did you have as far as influence in writing songs, or were you mostly just uh, on the musical side of it, but in playing? Well, Felix and Eddie Bugatti wrote the hits, and I kind of got to get two songs per album. I was kind of like in the George Harrison position. Oh, okay. Well, now George Harrison was. In, it's interesting you mentioned that because he was an excellent guitarist, and uh, and it wasn't until later that he actually got some of his songs 
Um, you know, they got Paul, and well, I think Taxman was one of his probably most famous ones that that he wrote. So, which and which were some of the songs that you contributed to? That some of the titles. Well, I contributed. I was a co-writer on one on the B side of Groove, and uh-huh. was called if, if you knew. Uh, and uh, basically, I just wrote my own songs. And then, so you didn't. So you wrote your own songs that you were what going to play later? Because you had a solo career after the after the the group split up, right? In seventy one, seventy two. No, no, actually, uh, Dino and I had a group called Bulldog. From 1970 to 73, and then in 1977, we had a group called uh, Photomaker. Photomaker, okay. What type of music did you play when you were with these bands? Was it kind of like what was contemporary at the time? Uh, or yeah, what? we we stayed away from the funky music. We didn't want to be compared to the rest. So there was more English sounding. Okay, okay. And then, uh, and then after that, what did what, what did you do? Well, we also produced April Wine, a, gr- a group in Canada, had a number one record with, in Canada with April Wine, and uh, well, yeah, they had, Luff. yeah, they had huh? could have been a lady, and uh, right. uh, there was another one that we play, actually played that song on here every once. Are they still around, April Wine? Uh, Miles Goodwin is still around. He he performs now. I talked to him about a year ago. And uh, he wanted me to do a couple of quotes on his book. Uh huh. This is before I did my book. Okay. Sign of the Gypsy Queen. That was the other song that they did that was real popular. That was played a lot down here, though. They they had two big hits. Um, Speaking of books, let's talk about your book. You got a new autobiography out, and I guess it's co-written with you and uh, Steve Miller. Who's Steve Miller now? Tell us a little bit about him as well. Steve Miller is an author that I met in the studio that I was recording. Four years ago, and he came. He was invited to come and just visit and be an observer. We had a, a technical breakdown, so when we started talking, I said, "What do you do?" He said, "Well, I'm a writer." He originally was a policeman in New York, and then became an attorney, and now he's a writer. I said, "Well," I said, "You know much about rock and roll?" He said, "Yes, I. I think I do." So I, I have a little game that I play there, and I did get that. I play guitar instrumental intros to different rock songs. And I played 20 of them, and he got all 20 right. And I said, you seem to be the right guy. So we started writing. Really? So take us through the process. What's it like to... Uh, so do you contribute ideas, and then he's the writer, or and then you just, like, you make notes and stuff, and then you send it off to a publisher, or does this kind no, of... No, no, well, what, no. What happened is we would meet in Jersey... He would pick me up, and we would go to Jersey, my friend's house, and uh, we would basically record everything at the dining room table for about three hours. I would talk and talk and talk, and we would he would draw it out, out of me, and he would go home that night and transcribe it over the next couple of days and send me the copy. And that went on for like two, two years. Wow. Two years. That's uh, so. What does the book entail? Can you? Sh- is the book's out? Obviously, and it's called Groovin', right? And uh, uh, Groovin', my life is a rascal. Okay. And uh, basically, it was an exorcism for me and to be that- able to get these uh, get these stories out. You know, my uh, my fiance Debbie Davis told me a while ago, well, a few years ago, you should write a book and get these stories that you have in your head because. 
if something happens to you and you can't you can't really communicate, you'll not, the stories will never be told. So I did it. Well, are there are there some stories in the book you want to share with us? Something that's uh, you know kind of like uh, monumental in your life, so to speak. Well, I had my dark years. You know, I had thirty years of uh, of substance abuse. For instance, I didn't play guitar for about eight years, uh, and then you know got in the Hall of Fame and a lot a lot of different stories, a lot of good good stuff. I think you should. They want to hear the stories by the book. But <laughs> okay, well that makes sense. I get that. I get that. I get that. So um, touring, and now you and Felix are getting back together, and you're going to be going on tour. Um, and you and tell us about some of the tour tour um, locations that you're going to do, and some of the music that you're going to well, do. Well, we we did uh, seven dates in uh, November, last November, and then. In January, we went to Hawaii for five days. We played there, and now we're going April 6th through the 8th. We're going to be in Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Jersey again. And then we've got some other dates in, in May and June. Okay. How about any new songs? Are you writing any new music, or are you going to play mostly uh, the older standards? And, you know, no, the, the, the stuff audiences that... want to pay to hear the hit. We had. We're not going to compete with ourselves. Oh, okay. All right. That's an interesting perspective. Um, some in the early days, what was it like for you um, touring? And was it uh, was it? Did you like touring a lot back in the day, or did, was it hectic for you guys? And how did you tour? Well, you know, we used to we used to record four days a week, and then tour two days a week. You didn't basically in the '60s. You didn't do concerts during the week. You did them on weekends. So we worked. We worked six days a week. We only had off on Sunday. And that's where the idea to get the right grooving on the Sunday afternoon. That was the only day we had off. Okay. And in, in that little clip that I played earlier when uh, Stephen Van Zant was um, uh, in doing the introduction, he was joking, jokingly when he said, and I don't know how serious he was, but he says, yeah, you know, when I first saw these guys, they were playing at roller rinks. And uh, so, when you guys first started out playing, I mean, were you playing in clubs, uh, or were you, were you were you playing at roller rinks and and, and small we're, theater events? We were playing in clubs until we got a record out. Okay. And we started to get started to get some roller rinks and college dates, and and regular clubs uh, uh, in the area. And uh, then we went out to California. We played the Whiskey Azorro, broke the attendance record there. Really? And then, uh, yeah, it just it just snowballed. And it just built, built and built and built. What was success for like for you back at and in, in in those days at that age? What is what was it like for you? Did, was it overwhelming? Was it something you dealt with? I mean, how how did that work for you? You were too busy and enjoying what we were doing. We didn't think about it. It was never overwhelming. It was tiring, but we never complained. So everybody in you know between you and Felix and Eddie and Dino, it was a collaboration and it was kind of like you. Were, what was the goal? Was it making more music or playing gigs? What was you know what was like the 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 goal, so to speak, of the group? Well, in five year time that we were together, we were we had seventeen hits, seventeen singles, and we had eight albums in those years, and that was a lot of output. 
And the record company at the time said we were lazy. Really? Wow. Yeah, now, I, I don't see Bon Jovi doing more than one record every three years. <laughs> uh, okay, I get it. Okay. So over the years, who are some of the acts that you guys opened up for? Or played with? Well, or, or who opened for you? I mean, both ways. You know, that's kind of a two-way Well, well it's funny, funny you mentioned that. Back in 1966, we opened for the Birds in Long Island. Uh-huh. And then in the 68, then when it was 68, they opened for us. We, oh. uh, we had this. Flying the family stone open for us. We had Jefferson Airplane, the Grateful Dead, the Doors. They all opened for us when they started. Wow, that's amazing. That's a that's a heck of a roster there. That's pretty cool. Okay, so when you guys did have some free time, did, what kind of hobbies did you guys have amongst each other? Well, uh, Dino was a painter and an artist. Uh-huh. He would paint. He designed two or three of the album covers. Uh, Eddie basically wrote a lot of poetry. Felix, of course, who wrote, wrote the hits. And I, I basically got into uh, photography and collecting cars. Ah, collecting cars. You just struck a nerve there because we are nostalgic, radio, and cars. So tell us about some of the cars that you've had in the past. Well, at one point I had seven cars. Uh, but I had... I had a, a, a 65 Corvette. I had a 67 XJE Jaguar. Yeah. I had a 61 Mark 9 Jaguar. Okay. And my final car, my final car was a 65 Rolls Royce. Okay. Now, when you bought those cars, did you buy those cars new back in the day? Well, now obviously the 61 Mark 10 or Mark 9. That's a big car. No, I, all, all of them were used. Okay. Uh, other than other than my first car. Was an Oldsmobile Coronado. That was the first car I owned. Uh, other than that, they were all they were all a couple of years old. Okay. They were vintage. They were vintage, and I was very. You used to be cheap to buy those cars in those days. Oh yeah. <laughs> so what year was the Tornado that you had? Was that like a '66, '67? It was a '66 Tornado. Yeah. And then I, as I said, I had the '65. In 1967. I bought a, a '66 Ford. I bought a Corvette. Uh huh. And then uh, Sonny Bono yelled at me for having a Corvette because he told me about uh, Jan Berry from Jan and Dean having the car accident with his uh, with his Corvette because it was fiberglass. It disintegrated. He became like very challenged mentally after that accident. So I got rid of it and got the SK. Okay. All right. Now, do you do you still have any collector cars today, or do you just? Uh... No, no, I haven't. I haven't had a, a driver's license since nineteen seventy-five. Uh-huh. I have a driver who takes me around. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Well, that works if that works for you. So, well, then the Rolls Royce. I guess you don't have the Rolls Royce anymore either, right? No, I sold that in nineteen seventy. Oh, okay. Um, sorry, nineteen seventy-five. Yeah. Okay. What about any of the other band members? Were they in the cars at all? Felix had a, a custom, uh, on, on, there was a limited edition Toyota sports car that was only eight made. Eddie had a 1938 Cadillac limousine 
with a New Jersey plate on us with bullets in the holes in the back. <laughs> and Dino never drove a car. Really? Interesting. Interesting. Um, what about so uh, guitars that you play today? Do you have any collector guitars, or do you play? What do you? What's what's I, your I instrument about, of choice? I have about I have about fifteen guitars. I got a bunch of Fenders and uh, my uh, Fernandez that I play nicely now, and I've got some a couple of D'Angelicos. Okay, that's and a mark and a marker. Do you uh, set your guitars up any special way, or do you just basically play them the way they are off the shelf? Well, I, I just put special uh, gauge strings on them. That's all. Okay. And uh, and I take I'll, I'll go to the music store and have them set it up and adjust the neck and so forth. Okay. So in your uh, so with what you're doing today and do you do a lot of traveling um, I mean what do you do in your spare time I guess where I'm trying to go with this well I watch the Yankee games I'm watching as we speak I, I got the TV sound off but there's a Rangers hockey game on and I watch Big Bang Theory and I have dinner with my fiance Okay, so you lead a, lead, lead a pretty normal life then, so you just kind of like the, the rest of us. just. <laughs> um, when you were growing up, you had mentioned that you played baseball and guitar, and there was one other sport. Did you ever have any, if you hadn't played music, if you weren't going to do music, what would have been another career choice for you? Well, originally when I was a real young boy, I wanted to be a baseball player. I lived uh, a block away from... Uh, the Rochester Red Wings is a triple-A team, and uh, they're still one of my favorite teams in Rochester, my hometown. Okay. And that's Canadian team, right? No, no, Rochester, New York. Oh, Rochester. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. All right. And then what was the other sport you mentioned? There was another sport you were mentioned that you played. Are you following? Well, I, played, I was on a tennis team in high school. Oh, a tennis team? I really? Was on a football, I was on a football team for one day. And we didn't have the mask, the mask on the helmet. And I, uh, the first game, I chipped the tooth, and I stopped right there. I said, I can't do that. <laughs> oh, interesting, interesting. Okay. How about motorcycles? Did you ever get involved in motorcycles, ride any bikes or anything like that? No, I, I once traded a, a custom tuxedo I had made to a friend of mine, and he gave me a... He traded me for a Ducati 450. A Ducati? Oh. Ducati. Ducati, right. Okay. Interesting. That was, a, that was about it, though. That was about it. All right. I had, I had some horses in my, in my house. I had stables and horses and a corral, and I rode horses. Okay. Do you ride Western or do you ride English? Western. Western. Okay. No. <laughs> well, I know because most guys don't ride uh, English too much. No. Westerns kind of like I, I like having that horn right there, so that if that horse does take off, yeah, that was the whole. That was the whole deal. That's how I learned how to ride. Hang on to the horn, right, and the, the, the bridle, right. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, hey, Gene, can you give us any? Uh, you got any stories you want? People love to hear stories. You got any good stories? You know, good clean stories. You know, uh, that you could share with us about back in the day. Something was kind of like a funny experience that you know you reflect on. Well, I remember one night we were in Portland, Maine. It was a snowstorm outside, and we were uh, on a show with. Uh, with Peter and Gordon, 
there was a lot of time in the dressing room, and we were, we were bored, and uh, we were sitting at the table, and all of a sudden, Eddie Brigatti waved his hand, and he grabbed something out of the air, and he looked, says, I got it. Dino says, what do you got? I got a fly. <laughs> Dino said, no, you don't. Eddie says, yes, I do. Eddie said, Dino says, yeah. Eddie says, I'll tell you what, if I got a fly in my hand, he says, and I can prove it, will you eat it? So Dino said, look at me. I go, yeah, I'd go for that, Dino. He doesn't have a fly. I was conning Dino. So Dino says, yes, I'll eat it if you have a fly. Eddie waved his hand and threw it down, and there was a dead fly in his hand. And he hit the table. So Dino says, I'm not eating that fly. <laughs> Eddie said, you said you would. He said, no. But Eddie said, well, I'll tell you what. He took a napkin and he wrapped up the fly. said, you might not eat it now, but you'll eat it later. <laughs> so I said to Dino, I said to Dino, I said, Dino, if I were you, I'd eat the fly now, it's fresh. <laughs> and, I, and I talked Dino into eating the fly. Oh no, that's uh, okay. With no chocolate, right? Nothing. <laughs> nothing. No ketchup. No salt. Nothing. <laughs> when you guys toured back in the day in the '60s, um, let's just say in the early days, how did you get from from show to show, event to event, and gig to gig, well, so to speak? In the, in the beginning, it was station wagon. Station we wagon. Fly to fly to a city. Went two station wagons, one for the equipment, one for the band. And we'd drive that way. We'd stay two guys in a room. We'd share rooms. Dino was my roommate. And uh, Eddie and Felix were roommates. And then the road managers had their rooms. And little by little, we started flying and having limousines pick us up. So it got better. Okay. That's good. How about uh, when you guys were recording your records and stuff? I mean, so you had the original band, okay, which was basically Eddie, Felix, yourself and Dino, when you did your recording in the studios, did you have other session musicians help out with you? Well, we would do the basic tracks, and if we needed horns or strings, we would we would hire them to play the arrangements. And Arif Martin, who was a, our co-producer, was an arranger, and he would arrange the stuff, and he arranged stuff for Nora Jones and Aretha Franklin and oh. Wilson Pickett and the Drifters and all that. So... We had we had access to all these great jazz musicians who did rock and roll during the day to make a living. When you did your recording, where was most of the recording done? Was it done on the East Coast, the West Coast? Um, it was done at Atlantic Atlantic Studios. It was all our stuff except for Groovin that was done on Broadway, on Broadway and Forty Second Street. Okay. Other than that, everything was done at Atlantic. What are some of the uh, when you guys toured? What are, did you guys like all over the United States, or was it just like certain areas of the East Coast, certain areas of the West Coast? No, and, no. no we 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 built the following all over the all over the country, all the way to Hawaii, and then we went to Europe three times. Oh, you went to Europe. Yeah. What was the uh, what was the response with Europeans, the European fans versus the American fans for you? Well, first of all, oh, the record company we were on, Atlantic Records, did not have a great distribution system in Europe. 
so we would go over there and promote ourselves uh, and and play. We we would draw. We were, we were we were the talk of the town in England. We drew the, the Rock Royalty. We drew Paul McCartney. We drew Brian Jones, Keith Richards, Mick Jagger, Keith Moon, Roger Daltrey, uh, Eric Burden, Graham Nash. Everybody came to see the talk of the town was the Rascals. So we basically took over the town for those days that we were there. So that was London, right? You're talking about now? That, that, that was Bob London. Yeah, London. Yeah. Okay. And we went, we went to uh, Manchester and Nottingham. And then we went to Germany, Hamburg, Frankfurt, Oslo, Norway, Stockholm, Sweden, Belgium, Rome, Italy, Paris. Wow. Now, when you tour today with Felix, uh, well, actually, I want to back up a second. Didn't you tour with, like, the world rocker, world classic rockers at one point in time, or there was another, like, uh, uh, world-class touring group that you used to play with? A few years ago, I I, I was part of a, a Platinum All-Star band. Okay. And who, who did and who did that consist of? Carmine Apathy from On Drums from the Vanilla Fudge. Okay. Bumble Bumblefoot from Guns N' Roses, Rudy Sazo for Quiet Riot, uh, Jeff Downs from Asia, and uh, Phil Merrill from Rochester, New York. Okay. We only did a few gigs. Did, was it mostly in the United States, or did you travel abroad? Uh, no, we, we did a, one gig in Canada and a couple in, in Chicago area. Okay. Well, speaking of Canadian bands, besides April Wine, who are some of the other uh, Canadian bands that you uh, that you've worked with? Uh, actually, we didn't work with any of them. No. Other than no, we worked with Buffalo Springfield, who had Julia Martin and Neil Young from Canada. Uh-huh. Uh huh. That's about it. How about with Randy Bachman or anybody like that? Did you work with them? No, or? no, no, no. No. Okay. Um, when you you said you produced. Uh, or help co-produce one of uh, April Wine's songs. Did you do any co-producing with any other bands? No, Dan and I just produced that band. That was it. Okay. What was that like for you? I mean, to, to produce that was that done up there? Or was that also done in New York? We 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 flew up and and went to uh, Miles Goodwin, the lead singer, Nova Scotia, Halifax, and recorded them live there, and then brought us down to Electric Lady, Jimi Hendrix's studio. And mixed it and overdubbed it there. Okay. You mentioned Jimi Hendrix. Did you ever uh, cross paths with uh, with Jimi Hendrix? Yeah, we were friends. Yeah. Oh, we really? spent some time spent some time together in clubs. Okay. Now, if you were, if you were hanging around with Jimmy, what, what was it like? And and with other guitarists, did you guys like uh, compare notes and share licks and little techniques and stuff like that? Nah, we Gu shared girls. <laughs> okay, girls. Okay, I got that. That's that. That's a good answer. Honest answer. Um, <laughs> anyway, all right. So, um, touring. Got any? You got one more? We got a few minutes left. You want to get another uh, touring story for us? Uh, yeah, I'm out of them right now. I gotta buy the book. Gotta buy the book. <laughs> okay. Well, let me ask you this, uh, Gene. Do you have a website or anything like that? If people want to follow you and find out more about what you do and, you, and acquire your book, how do they go about doing it? No, you can just check out the Rascals website. That's all. That's all I know. 
I don't really deal with websites. Okay. So you keep it kind of low-key and low-profile and show up and play here and there and just kind of have a quiet life nowadays, right? Yeah, that's about it. That's I'm right. 78 years old. i got to keep it cool. you got to keep it cool. Well, you know what? Gene, you had an amazing career. You've left a legacy out there, some great music, some, uh, you know, just, and, and some, and some, you know, great, amazing experiences. So, you know, I want, I, I want to thank you for uh, hanging out with us here at Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We appreciate your time. We appreciate your story. We appreciate your music. And uh, so I wish you all the best of luck and good luck touring with uh, Felix. And hopefully you'll make a trip to Florida and play one of our local uh, venues down here. Okay, I look forward to it. All right. Gene, thank you very much. I want to thank my very special guest, Gene Cornish, one of the original founding members and guitarists for The Rascals. And, you know, I forgot to ask him about uh, why they, they were originally the Young Rascals, then they became The Rascals, and then they came Go ahead. My, my friend from Naples, uh, Florida, is listening right now, Ira Marlowe. Oh, okay. Well, hello to Ira. Thank Thanks for tuning in. Appreciate that. Uh, well, anyway, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, was, I just, I didn't know you were still on the phone. That was great. Um, so the, the Young Rascals is how the band started out, and then it became the Rascals. When did it change, and why did it change? Uh, it changed because we were the Rascals originally. Oh. Before our first, before our record, first record came out, there was a group on Ed Sullivan's called the Harmonica Rascals, and they, they sent a cease and desist letter using the word Rascals. Oh. Our manager and a record company realized that if you put another word in front of it, like young, we could use it. So we we were the young rascals until Beautiful Morning, and then we became the rascals. Okay. When you played on Ed Sullivan, did you play live, or did you uh, did you have to... Um, we played live every time, every time. Yeah. Wow, that's super. That's good, because a lot of bands did, and that's excellent. That's excellent. Well, Gene, again, I thank you for uh, hanging out with us here. We're almost up against the clock. Tell your friend hello, and uh, this show will be archived, and then you can listen to it and uh, have fun and share it with your friends. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much. I want to thank my very special guest. Gene Cornish of the Rascals. And uh, you're tuned into Nostalgic Radio Cars. Don't forget, every Tuesday night between 7 and 8 p.m. on the Tantalk Radio Network, you can find us here where we do some pretty interesting interviews with some pretty interesting people, legendary musicians, legendary car guys, and, hey, even the guy down the street. Now, our anniversary show is <laughs> coming up in a few... Uh, when is it coming up? In, like, six weeks, something like that? Yeah, Maybe? we got it. Time to find that out, don't we? Yeah, yeah, that yeah. That would be the... Well, May 13th, 2000... May 13th... Okay, so May 13th, 2010 is when we started so the show. we're going to have to pick whether we want it on the 9th or the 16th. Okay, <laughs> well, anyway, so my good buddy, Alan, who's always listening and always manages to correct me when I'm wrong on... So he corrected me on Barbara Eden. When is it? It's uh, April 8th, right? Or 5th? Did I get that right? Something like that. Yeah, 4-8. I think that's what he said. Text me. Anyway, so she'll be there. And uh, so Alan and I are going to sit down on our anniversary show, and we're going to talk about old car ads. Because he has managed to collect and save, after all these years, through the 70s, all these old Auto Trader and Road Track ads. So we're going to be talking about some of these car ads, what those cars sold for back then. And I have a good notion, 
just to call these people and see if their cars are still around. Now, it's it's highly unlikely, but you never know, you know. April 2nd. Is a- April 2nd? Okay, then, I'm cor- then I stood corrected. Anyway, so having said that, I think Bobby says we're up against the clock, and it's time for me to say goodbye to everybody. And I want to thank you all for tuning in. And you can follow us on our social media. Don't forget to tell your friends, and don't go to some of the car shows. In the meantime, everybody, stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family. T-A-N, Clearwater. FM 106.1. WDCF, Dade City. FM 102.3. WZHR, Zephyr Hills. FM 104.3. Listen.